Welcome back, everyone, to our Escandalo podcast. Thank you, everyone, for joining. I'm here with my co-hosts, Ixia, Erica, and Myra, once again for another week of this wonderful episode that we're about hey, to y'all. do. <laughs> What's up? What up? So right now, um, oh, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram, which is Escandalo underscore podcast our twitter escandalo pod and then our insta uh, no our tiktok forgot about that our tiktok as well we will be posting there as too so follow us along and keep following us subscribing listening to us sharing our episodes and right now for this episode for this week we will be talking about bipoc in the workforce so meaning black indigenous and people of color for the workforce and how how that looks like for us especially as um, for us that we identify as Latinas and how that looks for when we are starting to go into the workforce and finishing up as an undergrad or even high school in a sense for us to where to start right where to start where we're trying to find work especially something that we're interested in maybe it could be working for human services working in school or even trying to start our own business like how do we establish that especially being first generation because that's something that we all could identify to um you know like our parents came from different countries and we're just here establishing our roots being first gen in the workplace so i'm gonna give it up to erica to see like how was that when you like graduated your undergrad erica especially you know with a sociology major right and understanding, like, what do you want to do? You know, maybe you thought something, something like, oh, you know, I wanted to do something criminal, criminal justice, right? Which was what, what your major was, I'm pretty sure, right? And then trying to understand what next, right? Like, what, what do I want to do next? For me personally, when I just graduated as well with my, with my bachelor's at Cal State Bakersfield, I kind of had a sense, maybe because I had had years of, of learning and understanding what exactly I wanted to do. But for you, Erica, how was that when you like first graduated? Now you're the first in your family to finish college. Now what? What is? What was your plan, Erica? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, so yeah, my experience was honestly very challenging. Um, one, I think I was going through a lot of like. I don't know what I wanted. I didn't. I wasn't sure about like what exactly I wanted to do after I graduated. Um, so when I started at CSUN, I had initially majored in psychology. Um, but then after the first year, I was like, I don't know, like, I think I want to do something that's a little bit more like, um, I guess maybe where I would have a little bit more options, which is why I switched my major to sociology with the emphasis in criminal justice. Um, I always had like an interest in like the law, law enforcement field and for a little bit, I really thought that I was going to end up becoming a police officer. Like, I really thought I was going to, you know, go for that after I graduated and, like, you know, start the police academy and whatever. But after seeing so much stuff going on, and I'm not sure if you guys recall, but I actually went to a couple of the protests. But there was, like, a lot of a lot of stuff going on um, during my undergrad years. Um, there was a lot of protests surrounding um police activity also a lot of uh things were changing as far as um finances or financing for tuition like t- tuition was going up for school so there was a lot of protests going on and 
I remember, I believe this was maybe my junior year in college. I was taking a class. I forgot what class it was, but our professor, she was like this older lady. She's super, like super activist, super sweet lady. She actually was out there with a lot of the students that were protesting and she was injured during the protest. Like she, I don't know, like there was like a lot going on. And one of the police officers like ended up breaking her arm and it was just so, so disappointing. And obviously that wasn't like the one of the, that wasn't the only instance. There was like a, a lot of other instances where like um, I would hear a lot of like situations with police being involved and in protests. And it just really discouraged me. I was just like, this is not what I want to do. And maybe focusing on that and those specific situations kind of like really deterred me. Obviously that's not always the case, but even uh, even like nowadays when protests do happen like you just that's like a lot of what you see right like but let's not really even get into that because there's a lot of things that happen at protests that sometimes shouldn't really happen but yeah so after um I graduated I was just like trying to figure out what I wanted to do so I actually was applying when I tell you guys I don't even remember how many applications I submitted while um after I graduated, like I, I applied to so many jobs and can you guys believe that I didn't get a single offer from all the interviews that I went to? And I'm just like, you can't, this is impossible. Like you're not telling me that I went to school for fucking five years and got a fucking paper that cost me, I don't know how much money only for me to not be able to get a job. And it was frustrating because it's like, okay, you know, the, at least what you see on TV and what you hear all the time, right? It's like, as soon as you, co- you graduate from college, you're supposed to be having that big girl job. And um, no, I wasn't having a big girl job. I was fucking working so my, my part-time jobs. So while I was at CSUN, I was working at the AMC theaters. And then after that, I ended up transitioning. So I was working there for a while. And so after I wasn't able to find anything, I just started to apply to like basic jobs, like just kind of like part-time jobs at like stores. So I ended up getting a job at Sears. I don't even know if Sears still exists. Is there still, is that Sears and Boyle High still open? I don't know, but that's where I was working at. (laughs) I don't know about Sears. Yeah, because I I think all the Sears here in Chicago already closed down, but that's where I ended up working at for the full what year after I graduated from college and it was disappointing y'all because it was like bro I'm freaking making 10 I was making what maybe $10 an hour barely at Sears $10 I mean just think my unit they like earning $10 an hour nowadays like what is that's that's gas money that's literally fucking gas money with the way that gas prices are right now so it was it was very discouraging for me to not want like so after I started working there, I'm not gonna lie, I actually stopped applying. Like I didn't even keep applying to jobs. And um for a while I was still kind of considering the law enforcement um or like the police field just because so what I was doing is I was working as loss prevention. So, you know, we were kind of supervising or in charge of making sure that people weren't stealing stuff from the store or whatever. So we did work a lot with LAPD whenever we had instances, um, you know, where people like came in and store or whatever. So for a while, I did still have some interest in that. But yeah, I just felt so lost. And I it was really disappointing to feel like I didn't have anybody to go to. Maybe like I didn't have, I didn't know people that could be like, Hey, like you're working here. Like, can you see if they're hiring or can you get me in? Like, I didn't have anything like that. 
And I don't know how it was for all of you guys. And I think, I feel like maybe for the most part, it was kind of similar to my situation, but maybe not the same, but almost around there. But yeah, I, it was really frustrating. And it wasn't until I came to Chicago. I remember when I came to Chicago for grad school, um, I, uh, I started to apply to jobs. Obviously, like I needed to get a job to support myself. So I actually ended up getting a job within a month after I got here at a law office. Um, but I didn't like it. So I ended up leaving. Um, I was there for me maybe like a month and a half or so. Um, but I actually ended up getting more opportunities here in Chicago within like months, which was crazy. Cause I was just like, wow, like, I don't know, maybe like the LA, LA employment market is so saturated that that's why I couldn't get a job. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was honestly very challenging for me. And, um, even like, and right now, like if, you know, I ended up leaving my full-time job because I'm pursuing other careers. Right. But it, it, I think it's just like, when I see how, how much things have changed and like what other opportunities are giving to, given to students, even like people, students while they're in high school, it's just like, wow, like I wish I was presented those things. So I could have thought outside of the box while I was in high school, because, um, you know, when I was in high school, I would have never thought that I was going to end up working as a pretty much as a businesswoman, like working in sales, working in real estate. I would have never even thought about that. Like that would have never even been a possibility for me. But I, I've seen it now where like they even offer like they go talk to kids in high school, like when they're about to graduate, that that's, that could be an option for them. Because here, here in Illinois, I'm not sure if it's the same in California, but as soon as you're 18, you can get your real estate license. So imagine that like at 18 being an entrepreneur, like, wow, like that would have fucking been amazing. Now, if had I known now what I knew, I like had I knew like what I know now at 18, man, I probably could have been a lot more successful financially, at least. Right. Versus me being 30 and still pursuing stuff. But yeah, that's that's kind of been my journey. And it's been it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle. Yeah, I want to add to that, you know, dang, Erica, the struggle was real. It really was. I mean, it still is. The struggle's still <laughs> real right now. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I could agree to that. Um, I think that what helped me to where I am now, majority of it is networking, and networking in a way where it's a letter of recommendations. So um, same thing after I graduated, um, I graduated a sociology degree at CSUN. And um, what I know now, I wish I would have known once I graduated. Um, you know, with sociology, you, you could get into so many fields. And then it's more like of an entry level position job. Um, so when I was applying, um, I did get a job right away. Um, I remember at a school. And the school is a charter school. And in this charter school, I remember that I got the job and I was so surprised that I got it. But when I got the job, the boss himself was very, um, he was a jerk, to be quite honest, because one thing he did tell me was like, you see this paper right here? He was holding a, a photocopy of my my diploma. He said, you know, this is this is just a piece of paper. And he's like, just know that this is always a piece of paper. And like it pretty much like saying that whatever I did in those five years at CSUN is nothing for nothing. Long story short, I was there for a year. I mean, a month. What's his name? <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> oh, girl, every time I pass by there, oh, 
I'm just like, anyway. I hope you flip off the school when you pass by and be like, this is for I you. To be like, bitch, I got two papers now. <laughs> you know how, like, for friends, you know, Rachel and um, what's the other guy's name? Um, Ross. Yeah, they're like, they're like banging their fists together or like, you know, like the under the shit. chin. You should be like, bitch, I got two motherfucking papers now. And what? <laughs> counselor, bitch. Anyway, so I rem- I was there for a month. But the reason why they fired me was because I wasn't taking notes. So that's the reason why I got fired. And um, and that was one of the things that it was, it was my, I guess my, what does it call it? My, um. My ego was shattered. My self-esteem was shattered. Everything was shattered. So, um, you know, I decided to go to community college to get a child development, um, you know, just to get like my some points for child development. And then I was still working at a other charter school because I was working at a charter school during my undergrad. But um, so I was working two jobs. So, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm all confused. So I was working at another charter school and then I started working at the YMCA so at the YMCA, I got it because I had some child development units. And um, I was very blessed to have found this job. And I made a, you know, one of the hiring directors at YMCA is now one of my very good friends. And if it wasn't for her, um, I wouldn't have had a bomb ass letter recommendation. Like, you know, she's still one of my ones that I always ask for. And um, shout out to Karen, if you're listening, love you, girl. <laughs> so, um, you know, it wasn't for her helping me out. Um, you know, I wouldn't, you know, just, she still, she still helps me out with a lot of recommendation. And then I, mo- I was able to move to finally an entry-level position job at a nonprofit organization um, that I worked pretty much with families that had open cases with DCFS probation. So I was like the, the in-home health counselor, but I got this job Literally, I want to say two or three years after. I want to say three years after I got my degree, so 2018. I, I was, so I, for three years, I was working two part-time jobs. I struggled. It was really hard, but I finally did it with the help of also getting networking. My friend Lillian, I met her at one of the charter schools, and she was the one that gave me a little, like, bump, you know, and, of course, with a letter of recommendation from, from Karen, and then finally, I, I, you know, went to get my master's and then, you know, I landed my job at LAUSD, which it, it was a, a year after a year after I got my degree, I got the job at um, LAUSD. Um, but still, like, I think and then, you know, of course, my LAUSD, it had to be my letter of recommendations that really helped me out on this one. But it's like, it goes ahead like, wow, we had to struggle really hard. But my thing was the whole network part. For me, it was more important to have these letter of recommendation to show off my good work ethic in order to be where I'm at now. Because, you know, yeah, my resume, I feel like, you know, I'm really proud of my resume. I think my resume is pretty cool. But anyways, you know, I think it had to be all about networking. And, and you know, I still have true connections to this day with those people. Like, shout out to those people that really helped me out. Shout out to, like, everyone. Erica, you helped me with my cover letter. <laughs> You know what I mean? And everybody hates writing a cover letter. Everybody does. It's so hard. It's like, oh, what the hell? Just read my resume. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to point out that whole that one part that you mentioned, like networking. I didn't even really know what networking was or like like the like the actual purpose of it until like now that I'm older, right? And 
I really do wish that I knew that while I was, you know, while I was in, in those stages of like finding a job because even for grad school, like you need letters of recommendation, right? So I had a really hard time coming up with like a list of people that I wanted to ask because I was like, man, like who can advocate for me? Like who can actually write a good letter and say like, hey, Erica, you know, deserves a spot in, in, in the cohort. So I really struggle with that. And I, I mean, again, I would, things would have been so much different if I knew all those things. Yeah, you're so right. I think, you know, sometimes I feel like it, it, there it is again where we wish, as minorities, we wish we had that person, right, that helped guide us. But instead, we're over here figuring out on ourselves, you know, even though, you know, we were all friends still, we were still trying to figure out on our own. And I know that we still try to help each other out um, here and there. Um, I remember hearing like Myra's struggles and Iwakuni when she was like trying to get a job and and the fact that she had her master's and she was getting a, you remember, Myra, it was that, that a child development center and they wanted oh to pay my. you like little to God, Yeah, it was yeah. horrible. Yeah. And I think that, well, like my, at least my experience with, um, with finding a job after work, like when, I think that for military spouses, the struggle is a little bit hard. I don't want to say a little bit harder, like we have it worse, but it can be because they're all, we're always moving. Right. And so like when you go to a place like Iwakuni, um, which is in Japan for those of you who don't know, it's in Japan and it's like a teeny tiny air base um, and jobs are limited. So they really do. It, it's hard to find a job on base and then you add in like the network piece too there like it's about who you know sometimes and sometimes at least okay this is like what I've heard that because certain people are married to a certain rank like your husband or your wife or your spouse or your partner is a certain rank sometimes they won't even look at your resume because when you apply for jobs you have to put how you're like if you're if you're a spouse and what the rank of your spouse is because some spouses like if they're married to I think I want to say I don't remember the rank but a certain rank and above I think it's like a lieutenant colonel or colonel not even colonel but I think like I don't know somewhere up there right a high-ranking officer you're not allowed to work on base because your partner makes too much money and so they don't want to give you the jobs on base but then there's like this stigma towards like junior enlisted spouses, right? And when I went over there, Rodrigo was a sergeant and that's considered a junior Marine. And they're like, oh, she's probably, this is what I'm thinking, but this is kind of what I've heard through the grapevine in the military community. Oh, she's probably a little ratchet because she's an enlisted spouse, right? And it's like, little do you know, I have my fucking master's. But like, I guess when I came back here to the U, like when I came back to the U.S. and I was applying to jobs, um, I I got I was really I was really like surprised that I got offers from every single job that I applied to, like, and that was because I think that I had gotten to the point where, um, I was a little bit more confident in my abilities, but also. I think that 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 the name of where I got my master's from really helped like not even gonna lie like people look oh you went to Pepperdine and they're like oh you know (laughs) 
Um, and they think that it's like, oh my god. And I'm not gonna lie, like my education at Pepperdine was pretty pretty good. Um, but I think that also that also has a big impact, right? And I I think of like all of the people who who aren't given those opportunities to apply to schools that are maybe more quote unquote prestigious or like the Ivy League schools, right? Versus a state school and what that like the stigma that that carries, even though it shouldn't, because sometimes the education that you get, like at a state school, is even better than a private school, right? But I don't know if I'm going off on a tangent here, but yeah, um, military, military wife life or military no? You're making you're making life. ums. Yeah, go ahead, Diana. No, so I'm just like confused. So they basically going back what you said, Maya. So basically, depending on what your husband rank is, is they're if they're gonna hire you or not? Like saying, oh, you don't need the money. We won't hire you. Even look at your resume. No, so they they're not allowed to. So if your husband is like a certain rank and above, you're not allowed to apply for jobs on base because your your when well, I shouldn't say husband, right? But if the enlisted service member, so the person who's in the military is a certain rank or above is um if they if you're applying to a job you're not allowed to they're you're not allowed to like they can't hire you because that person that that service member is too high up on the rank so not only are they already making a lot of money right but then you have a spouse who's also making getting government like funding i guess and i might be wrong but it, this is true. Like if once you once your partner hits a certain rank, you can't work on base. So that's why a lot of officer officer spouses don't even work. Like especially the high ranking ones, they don't work on base. And when you're in Japan, like that's all you can do is work on base, right? So you have all these all of these spouses there that are there because of their of their active duty military spouse, and then you're like fighting for jobs and it's it's just a it's a hot mess out there but shout out to all of my mccs friends that listen to this we made it they know the struggle <laughs> they know the struggle too yeah dude the fucking struggle is real in the military community but once you get into the civilian sector like out here i feel like for me it was a little bit easier coming back because i already had that opportunity and it really honestly what it took was for an like my boss who who was in the marine corps he was in the marine corps and he saw how much his wife struggled to get a job when he was a junior marine and so i think that him being able to notice that and see like you know he he told me he's like i know that you just took whatever job came at you because there's like a whole bunch of law like a whole bunch of like it's crazy out there like if you apply once and you quit your job, then when you apply again to another base job, it's harder for you to get an interview because you've already been employed. And so that's what he saw. And he was like, but I noticed that, you know, you had your master's degree and it's probably because you were overly qualified for a really low paying job. And I was like, yeah. And, and he's like, I remember when my wife was in that position. And so if it weren't for him, like, knowing how hard it is i think that i probably wouldn't have been able to find a job in that that time frame that i was there at least a job in my field you know um 
And then that job opened up so many opportunities because it's like, oh, I I can put on my resume that I worked for like Department of Defense, you know, because technically it's Department of Defense funded, like federal employee bitches. <laughs> we like can't touch me, especially and especially because you worked um in a different country, Japan. So that even probably looks good too on the resume. They're right? like she's Anything culture. Says, Ooh, she is. She is diverse. <laughs> And that's, you know what, that's what my current supervisor said now. He's like, you probably like have traveled. You're probably well traveled, huh? I'm like, hell yeah. That's what it is, right? That's what they look into. Oh my gosh, just thinking about it. Yeah. So for me, um, I just, I just graduated and I was looking for work probably, I want to say around like March or even April, like March and April that in that time when I was like about to graduate, I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta find work, I gotta go do this. And my husband's like, no, you don't have to, you just chill. But like, no, I need to. I've been at home for too long, just me personally. Like, I just need to do it for my mental health. <laughs> and then I just started applying, and then, man, it was hard. I put Indeed, if you wanna look at my Indeed, I think I put like over 80 applications <laughs> all over. Just like literally all over, and then some of them don't even look at them, because you could see who viewed or what if the employers viewed, if they accept uh, accepted the view, or they rejected and went somewhere else. But like I put like a lot of application. I'm just like like a mad woman, like ah, like I gotta do it. I gotta apply for work. You know, and then it wasn't until like I was like, mm-hmm. oh sorry, Dan, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was gonna say like you know why that happens. Because Why? these hiring companies, like all of these companies that like Indeed or like Department of Defense or adult, like the DOD jobs or whatever, right? They'll take your resume and they'll go ahead and they'll have a computer pick out like keywords. So your resume has to have the keywords that they're looking for in order for you to be able to even pop up on the radar. And that's shit that we like. So I have a robot criticizing my work. <laughs> have a robot literally criticizing my work Uh uh-huh that's exactly it (laughs) that's what it is but then but then like my thing was so when I finished so the good thing about my high school I'm going backwards now so the good thing about my high school is was I was I was basically an aide for the career center and there it would help help me find jobs and then the advisor for the career center was like hey we have this program for low-income students to work and get credit and you'll get a paycheck as well and you'll work like probably like four hours after school right so I did that my senior year so that's how I got more experience actually like that was like my first real paycheck job that I got and then from there so then I worked there at the school and then from there I just started working more and start literally started just working everywhere and anywhere I can and then I was just more established more with working with kids, working with families in that sort of sense. But yeah, like working and then again, like applying for jobs like that, I was like, man, it's tough. And I'm like, what do I need to do? Like I, I have my resume, probably wasn't the greatest. And then I paid someone a service to do my resume. Oh my gosh, I feel so bad. Like I didn't want to plug her in and tell, and tell you guys like who, she, who did my resume because she did she did a pretty good job. Um, she, no, she did a really good job with my resume. And then, so she helped me out doing my resume. She It was like a paid session for us, I, I did. And then our sorority sister, Maritza, um, she helped me out. And she does like a, 
a career thing, like a Bloom career on her Instagram where she helps, you know, individuals or pretty much like a career coach type thing. So I would have like Zoom sessions with her and have mock interviews with her. So that helped me out a lot. Like we would just practice interview questions or any type so I could feel more at ease because it was been so long since I've done like an official interview where I'm trying to be like, okay, why am I trying, why am I applying for this position? What do I want out of it? And how is that going to benefit me? And that's what she went over a lot. Like, so Marita, if you're listening, thank you, our sorority sister. Um, But that helped me out a lot um, with that in a sense of being more confident because I, I felt like I was lacking confidence especially going into the workforce as like a big, like your first big girl job or anything like that. It was, I was just lacking confidence and lacking, do I belong here? Do more of a sense of belonging, right? Which goes more into like the imposter syndrome of it all and trying to see, okay, no, like I do belong here. So it was, so she helped me out a lot with the interview. It sounds like Diana, that you have been, um, I don't know, you know, you, you, you were reaching out for help. And, you know, that's where, you know, it's the networking part. I keep emphasizing on the network because, believe it or not, um, it does play a big um, part in looking for a job. Like, if we listen to Myra's part, you know, um, what helped her was someone that could pretty much understood her, you know, and it was all through communication. So later on, hopefully that person could still be part of her network, you know, team to, you know, to help her further on her career. Uh, But I wanted to add, um, now that I was thinking when Diana was speaking, um, when I finished my master's, I heard that if you don't get a job a year after you get your master's, it's very hard to get a job. I mean, that's what I've heard. I don't know how true that is, but literally... um, I remember um, I sent my resume out to, I want to say, like 20 schools. And then I was on the waiting list with the district, which was within itself. Um, it was pretty easy to get in with the district's interview, but it was really, you know, I was on the list for, I want to say, eight months with the district to finally sorry school to interview me to, for them to place me in a school. But um yeah, it was it was it was hard, <laughs> but you know, it's like applying and applying everywhere, and I think it's like we're not losing hope. You know, we want to make it there. I. That's so crazy. Just hearing everybody else's experience, like, you know, I I feel I don't know. I can't even like. I think right now I'm in this space where I'm just like, man, like. I don't know. I feel like I, I definitely wish that I would have taken those steps to actually reach out to somebody to get more coaching on like what exactly it was that I wanted to do. Right. Um, but I think for me, my biggest frustration was also like the, the the money piece because I've never felt valued during my work because I'm not getting paid enough. And it's like, damn, I have all this freaking debt. And then also like moving, um, you know, coming to Chicago and going to grad school, like, I got into even more debt because I was paying out-of-state tuition because I wasn't a resident of the state at the time. I was still a resident of California. So I'm paying pretty much double tuition. Um, Well, not me, right? But I'm getting loans for double tuition and um, only to go and get into a job that pays me barely like a living wage. 
So that 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 for me, that's one of the biggest parts that has been like a play a play, uh, a key player for me because I don't want to have to work my entire life to to pay off my debt and and be financially secure. Like for me, I think that's one of the things that has always been important for me um, because I didn't grow up with money, I guess. And so, um, that's one of the main reasons why I ended up pursuing real estate. So I'm like, man, like I see all these people that have, um, you know, come into this business and obviously that isn't easy either. Right. Like you have to actually put in the work to get clients and market yourself and whatnot. But, you know, none of this comes easy, but there's, there's definitely opportunities for you to like, to like earn your worth, I guess. Um, and sometimes it doesn't even end up being in the, in the field that you went to school for, which is even now, I think that's one of the main reasons why I, in the first two years, so, you know, I, I got my license in 2018, but for, for the first two years, I didn't take it all that seriously. Cause I was just like, really Erica, like you went and got your bachelor's and you got your master's degree only to get into real estate. Like I just couldn't, I think I really struggled with that because. I was like, man, I'm not even going to be using my education for, I guess, for this. But, you know, I had to really, like, reflect on my thoughts about that. Because at the end of the day, I am using a lot of my experience that in work, in the workforce. Um, now, as a salesperson, like, it's definitely it's definitely been helpful. But, um, yeah, it's just been a really, really interesting journey just to kind of think about. Well, and Erica, I would even reframe it to think like, you know, you're not using your degree, but you have that network. You know, you have that network with those people who are at, you know, who you met through college and that in itself is huge, right? And I think like to my experience, at least with, you know, I see it a lot with, with, mine and Rodrigo's life in the military. Um, we, it's a small Marine Corps, but, you know, you have connections everywhere and that's super helpful in the future, right? And so how do you build those connections? Obviously, the Marine Corps connections are a little bit more personal, um, but in the professional world, like within, even within my profession, like mental health, there are very few Latinx therapist like at Ixia's party I took that time to make that connection with her friend who's a therapist and it's like because there really aren't a lot of people in the field right and so I just wonder like how do you all make those professional connections because I'm sure our, our listeners are like wondering too you know how do you network professionally I think for us our sorority has helped a lot um, in making those connections, but even outside of the sorority. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it really is important to make those connections, especially like you were mentioning with the sorority, we had like so many other connections in that sense, because everyone's, we're pretty much in the same workforce or somewhat similar that could really help us out. But then also when we are in a job, it's always good to keep those connections and keep adding to those connections like for me when I was looking for work I was like <laughs> telling people like my coworkers or ex bosses supervisors managers anything like that I kept those connections and I was just letting them know like hey can you be my reference and obviously you have to ask them right 
you can't just be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put this person down. This person will be cool. Like, no, like you have to ask them for those references and let them know what you're applying for, why, you know, just give them like a little information about the work that you're going to do or anything like that. But yeah, it's always good to keep those connections, keep adding to it. I think that would that will be helpful for anyone. Even if you just met that person like one time and but you felt like a good vibe with them, get their number, get something, get their social media handle, get something that you're able to connect with them in the future. Like, oh my gosh, I remember so-and-so mentioned this. Maybe I should hit it. And don't be embarrassed. I mean, it could be t- intimidating, intimidating, right? To be like, oh my gosh, I haven't talked to this person so long and then I'm just gonna be asking for this. But like, no, like the same way is going to go back around. You're going to get someone that's going to be probably messaging you or, or trying to connect with you in some sense because you're, you know, it's who you know now, right, in the field or anywhere in the workforce. It's, it, it literally is who do you know that could get you in and who do you know that will help you out, right? Because, yeah, you're applying for these jobs, but if another person comes in like, hey, I have this so-and-so person that would be good for this position, they're probably going to go for that, um, go for that sense. Or maybe your interview was, or your interview or resume was good, but then that one has that connection already and they're, and someone's advocating for them in that job force or anything like that, it literally is who you know and keep, and keep building that up. Especially on LinkedIn, just start, I don't know, following people or liking people. That's what I was doing too sometimes too. Like trying to see like, hey, who could help me out? That literally, yeah. Oh. I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, but sorry, I just remembered something. Um, Myra, and the, Myra, you were talking about sorority sisters. I know all of us do, but um, I just remembered. How can I forget? One of our founding sisters, um, Anna Luna, she's a counselor and she kind of gave me a little like preview of a day in the counselor. So shout out to her, <laughs> you know, she really yeah. Me. So literally. Our- yeah. And shout out to, and shout out to Ixia. Sorry, Ixia for cutting out, but shout out to Ixia. Cause I got a job at the YMCA because of Ixia. Cause of who, you know, <laughs> well, I know. Yeah. I'm not the director. So if anybody's looking for a job, let me know, you know, I just got to see your resume first before I put in the word for you. <laughs> You know what? It's crazy because honestly, I wish I would have taken that networking piece from the sorority more. Um, you know, honestly, like after my first year of being active, I was so overwhelmed with like school and working that I didn't take advantage of like reaching out to people. And I feel like that's still something that I struggle to this day, but that's also because I'm a very introverted person. Um, I just like, I, I don't know. I just really struggle with meeting new people. And so I actually pushed myself to go to a networking event. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. And I went by myself. I purposely made myself go alone so, like, I can, like, force myself to talk to new people. And let me say, I'm not going to lie, for the first, like, couple of, like, maybe, like, for the first 30 to 45 minutes, it was, like, oh, my, I was, like, a little overwhelmed because I'm, like, oh, my God, it's kind of dead. Like, are people going to show up? Am I going to be, like, the only one here? There was only, like like, a handful of people there. Uh, but then, like, with time, like, you start to uh, get packed or whatever. Um, and I just saw, like, how um, how a lot of people ended up, like, coming, approaching me and just asking me, like, oh, you know, who are you? Like, what do you do? This and that. And um, 
honestly, like for a person like me, like I, you just have to put, you just really have to push yourself to like really like step out of your comfort zone because like Dan has said, or ETSA, you just never know like who that, like who that person is and also like what opportunities they can present to you. And you just have to be open to that because, um, network men like networking is key and uh it's funny that you you talked about linkedin because um you know i've been doing a lot of research just kind of like you know just um listening to podcasts or like you know i'm i joined a bunch of like real estate groups on like how i can grow my audience or just like my network and to like you know reach more people and there's been a couple of realtors that they're like yeah you know i actually have earned business from linkedin and i'm just like how like how the fuck do you like get clients but it's just about connecting connecting with those um with those lenders, with realtors, maybe from different states that need your services here in a, you know, in another state. So, um, yeah. And like, it's funny because now I'm just thinking about like some things that I may consider doing in the next, in the next year, uh, as far as even with the sorority, like I, I'm not going to like for a while I've been thinking about like kind of like getting involved again, just cause like I miss that part and even just kind of like applying to become on the national board that I've never done it. And I feel like that's something that I would definitely be curious about just to kind of like get, again, just be more involved with that aspect because, um, again, I didn't take a, a too much advantage of it when I was uh, active and I want to still kind of like have some sort of involvement if, if it's possible because, again, you just never know who you're going to meet. And I've seen so many, like I follow a lot of our sisters from different chapters, even if I haven't met them personally or I don't know them per se on a personal level. And I just see them become so successful in their fields. And I'm just like, wow, like it's so, it's it's kind of like an even an honor to like know them. Cause it's like, you know, if somebody ever says like, hey, do you know somebody that works in the beauty industry or marketing or whatever? And I'll be like, oh yeah, like I have a sister that, you know, so it's just really cool to kind of have that aspect. Yeah, like I always say, like, oh my gosh, my sorority sisters, this and this. Oh my gosh, my other sorority sister from this chapter's this and this. You know, I try to put that plug in there too. And going back to it, like, even if you ask people for like a reference, a networking thing, you could send you could send it to five people, and only one person will reply back, and that's okay. Like, don't feel discouraged just because you send to five, and only one person reply back. Maybe, you know, they might ghost you, but like, no, I'm not interested. I read it. Or they could just blatantly say no, like, no, it's okay. Like, they don't want to network with you. And that's fine, too. Don't take it personally because things happen. Maybe they're not into it or something like that could happen. But obviously, just reach out to people and don't be afraid. I'm sure with, like, our sorority, our sorority, like, in, you know, the Facebook or anything like that, they always post job opportunities or anything of that sort. So it's always good to be involved. And again, like Ixia, <laughs> Ixia helped me out a lot because she got me that job at the YMCA. Again, <laughs> plugging in with that networking skills right there, right? It's, it, literally is, it literally is who you know. <laughs> and you know, um, I always tell um, people that I really do know, um, I feel like sometimes even our titles help out with letter of recommendations because it does, even if it's because one of the recommendations could be like a close friend or something like that, you know, and usually our titles are a little helpful. So um, for my niece, um, you know, I told her that I would, you know, I would have to write her a recommendation if she would need one, but it would have to be a family member. But like um, just most recently, I had friends that graduated from CSUN and um, well, one of them. And I told him like, hey, if you ever need a letter of rec, let me know. And I think that it means a lot to know that 
if you have someone that's willing to write you a letter of rec, it, it's, you know, less stressful, you know, because like Erica was saying, it's really hard to find someone to write your letter of recommendation. Um, so if you're part of my lineage, <laughs> sorry, hit me up. I just got to get to know you a little bit more in order for me to write you a letter of rec. <laughs> for me, I'd be like, send me your, send me your resume, send me your cover letter, <laughs> send me a letter of statement, statement <laughs> about you. <laughs> I'll write my. I'll have my husband write that bomb letter wreck. <laughs> my question would be like for people that maybe are not part of an organization and have never actually took those steps. Like, what are some recommendations that you would um, make for them? Like people that are not involved with sororities or any type of, um, you know, they they're maybe they're so introverted like me that just they just never took those steps and like have a hard time finding people. Like, what are some recommendations that you guys would give for those people? I would say build connections in your workplace um. because, you know, every workplace, well, it depends, but build connections with your supervisor, build connections with your coworkers. I think that all helps a lot um, because those are all potential letters of rec, but also they could help you network too. You know, they can, if your, if your workplace has like, um, committees and things like that join those committees and branch out from your team and kind of get to know other people within the company or organization I think that's super helpful I think it goes back to in the classroom your classmates like I have like friends that I met in a classroom and I and I'm still in interacting with them somewhere somewhere some way or another where I'm still involved and they're still involved with me. And that's how we made those connections being involved or, you know, having the courage or don't be fearful to ask the, the, your, your, excuse me, I'm blanking out your professor, you know, asking the professor for a letter. Right. I, my professor, I built a relationship with her and she was like, if you ever need any letter of recommendation, if you ever want someone to review your resume or anything, if you ever want to practice for interviews, let me know. Here's my personal email. So I was very grateful for her for doing that because I was like, okay, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to save it. And I'm going to still be kind of interacting with her as well. Even with my other professor too, he was really helpful um, during my last year at CSUB. And I'm just very grateful for that connection that I built. Well, for me, for me, because I'm not afraid to like ask for help in that sense, or like I knew like, okay, I'm trying to build something. Let me ask my professor because they're the ones that will help me and they're the ones that will try to find resources or anything of that sort. I, um, yeah, I think professors is a really good one. But I also think that like a lot of my grad school professors, I follow them on social media, <laughs> like the ones who are doing things and the ones that have like, you know, um, they're pretty active on social media. Like I follow them and I follow a lot of my cohort mates on social media. I think almost all of them um, and people that I met in grad school on social media. And when they post stuff on their professional page or just on their personal page, like interacting with them, I think that's a good one. Because you keep that connection and just seeing kind of what they're doing, what's going on, especially when you're in a profession, right? Like when you're in, when you start your profession and you are in this, like you become like a subject matter expert or you're, you're starting to get yourself involved in a very 
small community or a specialized community, um, knowing what other people in your profession are doing, I think is super helpful because you guys can like bounce ideas off of each other, connect that way, collaborate, right? Collaborate on things. Um, so don't be scared to follow your professors on social media. <laughs> That's been super helpful for me. Yeah, I really like that. I remember when I was applying for grad school, um, I'm I'm kind of really happy that so my like senior year, I actually did build kind of like a, a rapport with some of my professors. Um, one of them because he so we were, that was more kind of a internship class. And so, you know, we had it was kind of like a very like open discussion type of class, because we would talk about our experiences while we were doing our internships at our schools. Um, so I'm really glad that he was very open and he even told us like, you know, if you ever need anything for me, like, like feel free to reach out. Cause I really struggled. So I was like, fuck, who am I going to reach out to? Because I didn't necessarily build those relationships with most of my professors. Um, I think that as the years went on in undergrad, I really struggled in school, but I also, that was just me. Like I didn't reach out for help. I didn't ask for help. I didn't tell them my struggles and that was kind of like my fault you know and I wish I would have done things differently because I would have definitely had a lot made a lot more connections um but I'm just thinking about like all the different um things that there are like there's just so many resources now on campus like um for our BIPOC people there's a lot of minority groups there's like the I know like here at UIC when I went to my grad school they have like a Latino uh, like grad school kind of like uh, organization they have all types of organizations so you can always just join something reach out to people there's a lot of different networks um, networking groups now that you can join um, meet up uh, on meet up you can like look up events that are going on around your local uh, community and, and just kind of go and network with people google networking events like you just have to really like pursue those opportunities because again you just never know who you're going to end up running into so I would definitely encourage that like if it's not something that you if it's something that you actually struggle with like push yourself to do it um and like Myra said even like reach out like maybe to your former classmates or like any professors that you feel like inspired by like if you see them on social media follow them should I Myra now you're gonna make me want to go find some people on Facebook and shit because I don't think I really follow any of my past uh professors I remember there was one professor that in my well during grad school that my classmates and I would always talk about because he was very like kind of like very activist and very active in the community and I really liked him so I don't know if he's on social media but I definitely am gonna start looking Myra, Myra the FBI she follow everyone <laughs> hey don't expose me <laughs> no but it's really helped though like it honestly it has like just keeping those connections or even if they like because I feel like your social media is a reflection of who you are to an extent right so you're out here posting things that you're interested in and I remember when I interviewed with one of my professors for a traineeship he followed me on social media and he's like I I know that you're like social you're very pro social justice you're you know, I like I've read your work and I think you'd be a really good fit for our clinic. And that's how I got my traineeship um, because I was posting stuff on social media and he was like interacting with it and he knew kind of where I stood with mental health and like just my overall who I was. I think that helped. Right. But yeah, I think that people see who you are and 
and I mean, you're bringing yourself into whatever profession you're going into. And I think now more than ever, people are really looking for individuals who are, I don't know, going to fit the company and the culture. Like this company culture thing or cultures in workplaces is so important now. But that's another topic. But yeah, girl, I think that that's important. <laughs> I wanted to add... um it's right. I think it's all about networking with those people, right? Um, for me, what helped me, and this is going to be my last um, thought, <laughs> um, what helped me was, you know, I think I'm, I'm very social. I talk a lot. And I feel like some, uh, you know, not to brag, but I think I'm really good at company. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, I, you know, it just happened to have that I had made a great friendship with, you know, my, my pretty much my boss at YMCA. And then on my other job, I became very good friends also with my supervisor in the mental health uh, field. And it was a very uh, a blessing in disguise, you know. And then right now at this current job that I'm at, um, you know, I made a connection with one of the admins, you know. And, you know, I feel like if it wasn't for these people and they also struggle along the way and they know the struggle, you know, they also put out, you know, and they also help others. So, you know, is it just passing the baton, you know? So for me is I want to continue helping our fellow, you know, minorities, brown people, you know what I mean? <laughs> We're brown and pride, you know, <laughs> with a uh, brown and proud. <laughs> yeah, so um, those are my last thoughts. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with everybody. And yeah, just kind of like my my closing comments would be, yeah, just again, just kind of reach out to people. And um, and even if it's like doing like volunteer work, that's something that would be good too. Um, yeah, there's just so many opportunities out there that we don't take advantage of. And we just really have to, again, just kind of push ourselves to do that. So um, if you guys need some, uh, again, like Issa said, if you need some referrals, reach out to us. We need, I'll need to get to know you a little bit per, a little bit better first before I give you any type of letters of recommendation. Um, but yeah, I mean, for even like for any of our sorority sisters, I've actually I had a couple of our sorority sisters reach out to me in the past asking if they could put me down as a reference and whatnot. And that's like not an issue with me. Um, but yeah, like reach out to those people, you know, because they're, they're, they can, there can be a very big benefit for that. And let's just help each other grow and, and like get into our, our, I guess like our dream careers, our dream businesses, because there's just like so much, there's just so many possibilities of what you could do with, with your life really that we don't, we won't know about them until we actually are presented this opportunity. So just kind of just talk to people as that's what I will say and wrap it up with that. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. And, you know, don't forget to follow us on our social media page. Again, we are Escandalo underscore podcast on our Instagram. And, yeah, just keep following us along and can't wait for the next episode. Thank you. Bye.